friends. Welcome back to the pod. You've heard us talking. You've heard us laughing and you're going, what's going on today? <laughs> As always, it's me, your host, your commander in chief, Rachel Voris. I, this is a very special one. We have many things in common. A lot of things we don't. There's going to be a lot to talk about. So I'm really excited for this conversation. This is the founder and creator of Here We Grow. We're going to get into all of that. She's also been a doula postpartum. She like so much grief, I'm assuming that you've held and love for so many families. Uh, and there's so many more aspects of, of your work that we are going to get into. So my friends, please help me welcome Taryn Reseco. Rio Seiko. Rio Seiko. So close. So close. That please. was an intro though. Thank you so much. <laughs> please help me welcome Taryn Rio Seiko. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks yes. for asking. Yes. Of course. Okay. So I'm just going to do like a take me back. Okay. Like, where are you from? Give me a little bit of the journey. Cause I know where you started as a songwriter. Is this right? Did I no, make this but up? a singer, musical theater performer. Okay. Were you I a mean, musical, were you a musical theater major? <laughs> I was a musical theater major in college only for one semester. Same. Really? Where'd yes. I went to Columbia college. It's an art school in Chicago. Okay. I went to Emerson college in Boston, which was one of the places I was going to go Amazing. because uh, second city was in Chicago and that's what I really wanted to do. So I ended up going there. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I went to school for musical theater and had just come from a performing arts high school in Miami. So that's where okay. I'm from, South Floridian. Okay. Um, met my husband at that performing arts high school, by the way. Wow. <laughs> Which is pretty crazy when we were like 15 auditioning for the school. Um, we're just friends for a long time, but that's for another time. <laughs> sure. But, um, but that's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's good. Good backstory. Um, and so, yeah, I went to school for musical theater uh, very quickly realized I did not want to be a musical theater performer, even though it was all I had done my whole life. I was from the time I was five, just in every dance, acting, you know, singing class. And um, but I was called to teach it. So I actually Emerson College had a theater education program. So okay. I um, I transferred my major into theater education and became a teacher and director and graduated and was certified to teach K through 12. And actually, uh, that's what I did first in my career. That was my first career was, um, okay. I was a middle school drama and public speaking teacher in uh, New Jersey, living in wow. New York City, doing a reverse commute every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was so you went, so you go from Miami, then you uh -huh. go to Boston, which are uh -huh. already like culture shock. Yeah. So what took you, what took you out of, I'm curious of being like, I'm going to switch from being a performer to being an educator. So that's an interesting question. I, um, I think that the answer to that has changed as I've gotten older. So sure. I think initially I just was like, I love theater and I love kids and I don't have what it takes to, um, do this business. Like I knew that you need, like, obviously, as you know, a certain edge. And I, maybe, I, maybe I felt like I didn't have that at the time. And in retrospect, for sure, I did not. My husband is still an actor. And so I've lived the career alongside him and I'm like, yep, right, right choice for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, Actors but, are nuts. yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's it's crazy. And I um, but I definitely always had the passion for it and always loved children and working with children and had been incredibly inspired by some of my greatest theater teachers and directors and 
was like, that's what I'm going to do. And it just so happens that they had like one of the top theater education programs in the country and only and one of the only programs offered at the undergrad level. So um, so it seemed like a natural segue and was absolutely the right thing at the right time for me. And in retrospect, um, now at I'm almost 44. So um, upon reflection, I um I think there was probably actually a healthy dose of fear involved. Like I think I I think sure. there was probably it, it wasn't apparent at the time, but I think I was like maybe you know I don't have what it takes or I'm not good enough or you know. But that's only sure. something I've realized like in more recent years. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. When I so same was I danced and sang and everything. I mean, I still do. <laughs> I I still feel like an unofficial musical theater major with everything I do. Like there's just always I don't a know show. If it goes away. No, for sure. That's where it's like when you meet another musical theater kid, you're like, oh, what's up? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but similarly, because I I still have a very strong voice, but I'm a belter mm. and um, I was like smoking cigs at the time. I'm still like partying and our the director of our uh, musical theater department was also the artistic director for Second City. His name oh, was Sheldon wow. Patinkin. Okay. And Sheldon pulled me aside. I've told this story in the podcast, but he said, well, I have good news and I have bad news for you. And he said, the good news is, uh, no, he said, the bad news is uh, your voice will not hold up for eight shows a week. And he said, your classmates will surpass you. He said, but the good news is you're funnier than everyone here. Amazing. And he said, I think you should switch your major to theater and you need to be doing even more at Second City. Cause he knew that's like what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I mean, that was really like a hard thing to take when you're 18. You're like, I'm going to live my dreams. And someone's like, mm, but you're not, you're not going, you know, and had I then, yeah, like enrolled in voice classes and really was taking care of my voice and like, but it just wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so and that's why I, I just always ask, cause I'm always interested how people kind of like pivot out of it because you're right. Like the grind, not even just being an actor, but being like a stage actor too. Yeah. is like a whole nother beast and like the survival level and how do you like feed yourself and then you're finding the next job and like it is it it either takes someone who's slightly unhinged mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes I think like I say this kind of joking but also serious of like someone with less I think like outside support in other ways where they're like well this has to work because I have no other options but I think when you do have slightly other options that would bring you as much joy it's like we're gonna take the other option yeah yeah (laughs) and I'm grateful for making having that insight and making that choice at such a young age because um I know so many people that you know happens later and and I've had several shifts along the way but that first one I was 18 you know so that you know, well, and it sounds like it was totally meant to be too, where it was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And now I'm at like literally the perfect place to do it Yeah, that I'm sure so much of that too. I mean, you can't beat when something like that presents itself. Cause you're like, awesome. This is the answer we're going. Yeah. yeah. So then you're in your reverse commuting, reverse commuting every day. And, from and where, where do you go from there? So um, about five years in, so during that time period, my husband, my best friend from high school and I uh, became a couple and we're living together in New York and he was doing that musical theater acting thing. And he had, you know, he was doing like fame and Mamma Mia, Wicked, like, you know, just like living the, you know, I love our dream, (laughs) mine and yours. (laughs) Sure. Um, And then um, was like, it's time we got to go to LA like that, you know, yeah. I got, I got to now take this and like shift into TV and film. 
Um, and I was like done with the cold, feeling claustrophobic in New York after five years, um, had an incredible teaching job, but was like, cool, let's do it. I'm ready for the next thing. We were engaged. Um, so yeah, mid twenties, we moved to LA and it was the best move. I feel like the LA to Atlanta move all the, all these years later was similar. It felt like the grown up version of what that was at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And around that time, my parents were theater producers Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, they were um, partners with um, another couple and they were expanding their company and they brought me on as a producer. So I, um, cool ended up going from teaching and directing to professional theater producing and um, actually produced Menopause the Musical all over the country for seven years. <laughs> okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I remember when they came through Chicago actually. Oh, yeah. Cause I, I think like my mom and all of her friends were like, oh my God, we gotta go to this. I'm sure she actually probably saw it like several times. There's something about that show where people take ownership of it. Like they think it's their show after they see it oh, and they funny. share it with all their friends. and. Um, yeah, so produced for a while and then um, got pregnant with my first kid and that was um, 2009 and um, everything changed. Everything changed. I had a really inspirational uh, Bradley Method teacher. Do you know what the Bradley Method is? Oh, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now if somebody's listening though, and they don't know the Bradley method, can you give us like a brief, brief synopsis? Yeah. So, so at understand. the time it was still called husband coached childbirth. I'm kind of hoping it's changed too. Oh, wow. I think it's actually pivoted a lot because okay. I had looked into Bradley for my first pregnancy as well. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't imagine that they're still getting away with that, but bad, bad like, PR, bad PR yeah. in yeah. 2022. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, it was very much husband coach childbirth and um, very intensive childbirth class, like definitely geared towards natural childbirth. It's a 12 week class. Um, it was amazing. And I think I've, I've heard some mixed things about it since and then entering the birth world professionally, like continued to hear kind of mixed things about it. We had a really positive experience. My husband was doing Wicked in San Francisco at the time. So we were living in Berkeley. So oh, wow. we were in Berkeley for my pregnancy. And then my first was born in Berkeley, which was super cool. And, um, and so I was really inspired by the teacher and something happened during that where I just her whole style, her whole approach um, made me kind of miss teaching and then made me realize that not only do I want to teach again, but I want to teach this. <laughs> so, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And um I come from like a maternal line who uh, lots of the women birthed naturally, breastfed forever. Just, it was kind of like very much, it, you know, on my radar and, um, and this just kind of confirmed that for me and I was still producing and it would take like a couple years from then to actually officially pivot careers altogether. Sure. But I started pretty early on in my parenting journey, like taking certain classes and certifications to just start like planting those seeds. So yeah, so my first, at first it was like, oh, I wanna be a childbirth educator. I wanna do exactly what, um, you know, she's doing. And, um, and then I kind of realized that in order to do that effectively, I really needed to be attending births. So that's kind of how I became mm. a birth doula. And um, it's interesting now looking back, like they were all kind of like stepping stones on the way to where I've now landed. Mm -hmm. But um, cause as much as I am still and always will be very passionate about birth, um, it really was kind of just like the stepping stone to get me to the postpartum and parenting world, which is where I am now. That's really cool. Yeah. I also feel like 
I mean, this is not like what a wise thing to say, Rach, but <laughs> the more I think now, especially um, heading into, well, I think we're, I'm announcing on my social medias next week that we're pregnant. So, anyway, so we're pregnant again. Yay. <laughs> and, um, but heading into knowing I'm going to give birth a second time, a not as scared. Cause I've know that I can do it. I've done it once before. The first time around was traumatic. So I'm like, okay, I'm prepared for a trauma situation or it's not going to be traumatic. And that's going to be great too. Right. Hey, maybe um, healing. Right. So it's like, I, I'm kind of, there's a sense of confidence, but also being able to garner more about the idea, right. Of, of where it's artistic creation and artistic expression is so similar in many ways. Mm-hmm. Now it might not be as physically painful, um, or, or really require, even if you're not talking in terms of pain, but just that physical requirement. Yeah. But I think the commitment and requirement to self-ownership is when we're really creating the best things as artists, whether that is like, you know, producing theater where it's like, that's your job. You're literally like the whole production is created itself, but in order for it to show up anywhere, it's your job. Right. Yeah. And, and finding kind of that what is it? The Andy Warhol, like that business is art, like business is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just share that because I think that that's interesting too, of really always having this creative journey and then that it led you to birth. And then both of those together led you to where you are. Yeah. So how long ago then did you start here? We grow. And for people who aren't familiar with it, yeah. what are your offerings? Yeah, thank you. So, um, so it's been nearly a decade. So, um, so I founded Here We Grow in Los Angeles. Um, okay. In I guess it was 2013. So my second um, child, he's a boy, Bodhi, was born in 2012, and um, that's sort of when it all came together for me. Like I had done all the certifications. I was a birth doula, a childbirth educator. I was starting to dabble in that work. Um, I also uh, took the Music Together International Training, which is um, an international family music class training. And I started teaching that program. So I was home full-time with both kids, had left producing and had started teaching for other other people, other studios, these family music classes. And it would, you know, I think in those early years, it was just so much about my my little kids, they're three years mm-hmm. apart. So I had a baby and a toddler at home. I, I, I remember the last birth I was a doula at and I only ever did like a handful of births. But the last one, it was a 48 hour labor. Um, she was hoping that it would be you know, um, drug free and vaginal and ended in a traumatic cesarean. And I had a three month old and a three year old at home. I was pumping in the hospital room. I was, you know, not sleeping because I had an infant at home. I was tag teaming out with another doula, um, who also happened to be an actress (laughs) and, um, at Cedars in LA. Yep. And um, I remember thinking, this is not for me, or at least not right now. Like, I can't, I can't do this. It took me almost a month to recover from the birth. And I didn't, I wasn't the, I wasn't the mama at that point. Right, right, right. So I was like, maybe this will come back around, but this is not the moment for me. And um, around that same time, one of the studios where I taught music classes, they had an incredible, did you ever hear of a mother's haven in LA? No. 
So they're an incredible um, spot. They have like a storefront and then also two educational spaces in the back. And they're just running classes for um, expecting mamas and new mamas and uh, new families like all day long, every day. And um, they were, they had this incredible program called Mother's Gathering. And they ran these daily. They had five different facilitators. They were short a facilitator and they asked me if I wanted to do that. And what that was, was it was um, a year long program, but in like eight week sessions where um, you just, there was a facilitator and there was a room full of mamas and infants. And every week there was a different topic and it was all about just that new, you know, parent support. And I was like, I, all the other facilitators were therapists. And I was like, I'm not a therapist. I'm a birth doula. Why, why are you asking me to uh, take this job? And, um, and they were like, we think you're a perfect fit. You just, your, your vibe, your energy, you do have the experience of supporting birthing women. Um, you're a mom of two yourself. Um, I don't think you need to be a therapist for, for this particular position. So that's kind of how I got thrown into that world. And I did it I really scared. Like that was scary. I remember going yeah. in those first couple circles thinking like, why should these women, you know, Trust everyone's me. gonna know yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you know yeah the other the, the people I was like in company with they you know some of them had like PhDs and I was yeah. like wait you know but um it was it was a really natural fit and um so from there I went on to um just continue to train in postpartum support and then ultimately as a parenting coach and educator with hand-in-hand parenting um so so here we grow is kind of like a birth, I guess, within itself, but kind of like the um, combination of, of all those things. So it's all about um, family fun and family support. So the, the offerings range from family music classes where I got to meet you and, yeah. and, um, and then I also do mama circles and one-on-one parent coaching. And um, that's, yeah, it's like they're all under this one umbrella, but they're kind of like these different branches. Um, the, you know, the fun and creative experiences that, you know, families can have with their little ones. And then also um, parents need support, man. It's, uh, it's hard out there. And I, and that's like one of the first things I always tell parents is um, I do this work, but I'm not a perfect parent. There's no such thing. And I'm not a professional parent. There's no such thing as that either, you know, and, and all of us need support. And I think there's a lack of support out there. So, um, so yeah, I'm super passionate about what I do. And I just, I love being able to be a source of support for families. Hell yeah. I love that. And I I just got goosebumps. I, I mean, so much of my mission with what I do and with sharing my voice is really wanting to create more transparency at least around, yeah, kind of the idea of like healing support. Like, I think there's so many like coaches or people out there, even like mindful parenting. And this idea that every time you've had an incredibly long day, you're tired, you haven't eaten and your kid freaks out that you're going to have the awareness to be like, I hear that you're upset. Mm -hmm. We're going to like, no, maybe on a really good day. Yeah. When like things are going okay and you've slept well and you know, everything's good in the house and you're caught up on everything. And like, yeah, you may have a little bit more of that. And, you know, so I think so much for me is like, let's talk about what are the tools that will help us. And then also being able to navigate, where's your gas tank every day? Because sometimes if your gas tank is all the way full, you're going to crush those tools. 
and things are going to be really good. And then there's going to be days or weeks, you've been traveling a lot, family was sick, work transitions, you're moving, families and whatever's going on. And that gas tank is not full. Mm -hmm. So your coping strategies and your tools, even though they're there, you're only going to be able to reach for them at a certain capacity. And so it's like, I I feel like really just teaching transparency in that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not teaching it. It's available to everyone, but meaning like, I think really as educators, as speakers, as creatives, that's really what my mission is of like wanting to create this transparency because I think that social media and I mean, the media has always done that, right? It used to just be Hollywood or whoever, you know, and now we're all doing it to each other of like, look how curated everything is. And my branding's perfect. And this is good. And this is perfect. And it's like, yeah, put your best foot forward. But also I want the majority of the people who are like listening to me or engaging with me to know that like, you might just be catching me on a day that my gas tank is full, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important to model that for our children, what it looks like to be human. You know, I'm certainly, I, yeah, sure. I have a bag of tricks I can share with parents to help make the the load a little lighter. Oh, that's my dog. (laughs) What's your dog's name? Raina. Oh, oh, hi, Raina. You just had your podcast debut, Raina. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to put her outside the room real quick. Sure, take your time. It was a very cute black lab because I know if you're, you know, I was just, I was filling in the audience because they can't see. And I'm sure they're like, wait, a dog? What kind of dog was it? I was like, it's a black lab, seemingly. Yeah, very charming. So if you hear uh, her voice, that's the, she's actually, a, she looks just like a black lab, but she's actually half husky. So she talks oh. like a husky, we say. She's like, oh, she has Aww. like full conversations with us, but she looks just like a black lab. That's um, so lovely. Yeah. But, oh, but yeah. So I was saying, I think it's so important to model what it looks like to be human for our kids. So that on the days that, yeah, maybe our tank isn't quite as full and we have some sort of an outburst or we're not as patient as we'd like to be, that we can say that to them, that we can say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, like we're not above apologizing um, to children anymore, which I love. I think parents, you know, used to be expected to just like be in control all the time and then be, you know, be, be respected all the time and have all the right answers. And, um, and I think now it's just more acceptable and we know how much more important it is to, to be human and show our kids what that looks like and, and also be apologize, like not be above apologizing. Um, in the parenting world, sometimes we call it repairing the rupture, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, saying like, wow, I'm so sorry. My voice just got really loud. I don't want to talk to you that way, but I'm, I was really frustrated and that was really hard you know, and just kind of giving them that even that language so that if they find themselves in that kind of situation, which they obviously will, that they, you know, will not be scared of it. Well, and I think then they also have an understanding of what it is. Like I, so um, I have ADD, ADHD, and I'm sure many other things that now, if I was tested and diagnosed with, we would be able to better pinpoint, but Uh you know, in 94, like we had four things you could be right. That was it. Um, And so even learning more now, because, um, so like, you know, fun fact about me and I know the listeners are like, we get it. You had a drinking problem. We understand you, you know, but so a lot of that, like now I understand a lot of what my coping strategies were, even though they weren't helpful for me, but I know like, oh, because I didn't learn emotional, uh, regulation. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just from upbringing. Um, and then a lot of it is too of like ADD. There's a lot of different ups and downs. And so something that is, you know, within the diagnosis is essentially 
the difficulty of regulating emotional behavior. So, you know, kind of a lot of those things where I think that's really great to endow kids with that too and allowing them to see it because it's then the model of the emotion is okay. It's what do we do to take care of ourselves or other people that are having that emotion so that it's not saying these emotions are good and these emotions are bad, right? Like anger was never modeled to me. Mm-hmm. So my, one of my first serious therapists that I did a lot of work with my twenties in LA and the, the first time that I met with her and I, you know, just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I got done and she goes, well, I think we're going to work on your anger. And I go, anger, I'm not angry. And she goes, okay. And I go, what are you talking about? I was like, angry people yell. And she goes, okay. You know, she's just collecting information from me where I'm like, this is what angry people do. Right. right. And then after six months of working with her, I was like, oh my God, I'm really angry. I'm so angry. And so just even that where, you know, and it's funny because my husband struggles um, with anger and not like towards other people or or things like that, but that's kind of his default emotion, right? Rather than like getting sad or something, if he gets frustrated, he gets angry. And that was really hard for me in the beginning because I'm like, that's bad. Anger is bad. Right. And now I'm like, oh, of course, what a gift that I chose a partner who is um, sometimes like visible or vocal with their anger because A, it tells me it's okay to be angry when mm-hmm. I get angry or if I get slightly loud, like that's okay. It doesn't mean yeah. that I'm like, it doesn't mean you can yell at everybody, but like if you yell for a minute, like that's okay. You got your anger yeah. out. That's okay. You know, like, so I just share all of that as a way of connecting, but also I think that's so great because that's really what I want my kids to know of like, Hey, you come from two creatives. So good luck with yeah. your emotional regulation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We have a, we have a very dramatic household. Right. There. Yeah. We are just like, well, cause your kids, are they like 11 and 13? They're, uh, they're 10 and 13. Yeah. Okay. They both just turned, they both, they're both summer babies. So they just oh, turned nice. 10 and just turned 13 and they are like, yeah, super dramatic and not uh, my daughter is like our, we say like our obvious child. Like she got all the creative genes. She's, yeah she's a a writer and she plays piano and guitar and she sings and she's um you know yeah just super creative and intellectual and our we our son somehow we got an athlete like he is like a (laughs) ball player and we don't understand but we're like obviously supportive parents so we're like out there on the field and we're you know yeah um but he I mean he's also super creative but um we definitely passed along the drama (laughs) yeah get dramatic in here we joke that the dog is even dramatic with all of her like her singing and talking, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. And then like you were talking about with your husband and then we have these kids and, and they are, um, you know, certain triggers are ignited again with us. So that I think so much of parenting is about like the personal work that we have to do. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to like read all the books and know all the things and know, you know, the things to say to our kids in this sort of more progressive parenting world, but, um, it's not easy and it doesn't necessarily come, um, you know, naturally. And uh, I think we do have to do the work and I think we do have to make sure we're being supported. You know, it's like Mm we, um, hand in hand parenting, the program that I am certified in is, um, so much of the foundation. Well, almost the entire foundation is in connection and just the Mm -hmm. need, 
um, it's a, it's a core need for humans in the way mm-hmm. that food and sleep are, you know, yep. and, um, and that when these little humans of ours are, you know, what somebody may have in the past, or I'm sure people still do call like bad behavior. Yeah. Um, they're actually just, there's a greater need that's not being met. They're feeling off track in some sort of way. And there's always like some sort of a, a reason or a need underneath that behavior. And, and sometimes we don't even know what it is like there, you know, especially like the toddlers who might not be verbal yet. Like we just have to show up and, and support and hold those feelings and yeah, offer some empathy if we're in the headspace to, you know, depending yeah. on how our gas tank is that day. And, um, and, but I don't think we can do that if we're not being supported and held ourselves. So totally one of my favorite parts about hand in hand is like listening is a key element. It's like, if we're expected to listen to our children, which we know is so valuable for their brain development and for their own regulation, we need to be listened to as well. We need to make sure that someone is hearing us out and that we have a place to offload and put our stuff, you know, so that we can show up fully and in a, in a present way for our little ones. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of, this is a general statement, but I think a lot of adults too, and, uh, I've just witnessed it more with mothers rather than fathers or their parents, but a lot of unspoken trauma or things you haven't healed or coping mechanisms that used to work. Like I take a lot of issue with like wine mommy culture. Oh, yeah. I think it's like really not like, not if you're like, listen, I'm a mom. I want to like, you know, have a little wine. Do your thing. Right. It's not that judgment, but I think there's a lot of outward coping mechanisms that we've offered to moms and we have, um, made mainstream that are actually not coping mechanisms. And in fact, they're working against you. Um, and so I know a lot of like with working within like spiritual support and things like that. It's a lot of times when moms come undone because, uh, you know, especially that idea of like needing to get support where suddenly they're like, Oh, maybe I need support for this thing. Or, you know, oh, I've had these like raging eating issues and I didn't realize until I was supposed to feed a toddler and I'm wanting to regulate what they eat. And it's, you know, like, so just all of these things that we've done ourselves. And so I think the most interesting thing, you know, 14 months in, I just a real (laughs) wealth of knowledge with uh, being a parent. No, there's plenty you learn in those first four. But the number one thing I've learned is like, oh, I really don't know anything Mm -hmm. in the way of which like, oh, this is going to continue to be different. And then I'm going to have another baby and this baby is going to operate completely differently. They're going to be, you know, like, I think one of the biggest surprises to me, because, you know, before you have kids and there's all these different types of parenting and offerings and all these things. And so it's like, are we going to put the baby on a schedule? Are we not like, what are we going to do? And just how very quickly when I paid attention to Jonah, like he has his own rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, then we're just going to, like foster that rhythm. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know you dude, you're three months. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just showed up and like, I'm going to be like, Oh, you should do it. How me and dad do it. You know? Right. Um, yeah. It's like showy. That's like just such early signs of respect of just respecting who they are as an individual. That's like, that was one of my first lessons as a parent when my yeah. daughter Eden was three months old and I was really, um, just sort of attracted to the attachment style parenting. And I was, like I said, you know, birthed in Berkeley and my like mom circle there was just like all these hippie mamas and everybody was all the attachment, like attachment, maxed out attachment. And my daughter wasn't into it. I mean, she was, she was into plenty, but she, um, I was like baby wearing full-time. We weren't on a schedule. I was following all of her cues. I was, you know, putting her on the boob at any like whimper or, you know, just like there fully. 
And I, 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 I always remember there was this one day where I like could not soothe her. I had her in the carrier. I took her out of the carrier. I put her uh, at the breast. She, you know, I took her off. She like, there was nothing. I, I checked all the boxes. She had a clean diaper. She had a nap, all the things. And I remember being like, I don't know what else to do. And I put her down in her crib and she, she just, I saw her take this breath and this relief. She wanted space. She wanted space and she is like super independent and always has been. Mm -hmm. And I always tell her that was one of the first things you taught me is that you were like this little independent woman. And you know what? I got, I got that the second time around. My son like couldn't be close, close enough to me. Still kind of yeah. like, you know, just like a major cuddler just wants to be close. My daughter really, um, yeah, she taught me that just to pay, pay, pay closer attention. Like she was telling me, she's like, lady, I don't want to be that close to you. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Let me go. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I feel similarly where, you know, I try, I think I got three different baby carriers. Cause it's like, Oh, maybe it's just cause he's not comfortable. I have to find the one. And then I was like, he doesn't want to be on me all day. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and like we breastfed and all, did all the things, but it was also interesting because he was in the NICU for a while when he was first born. So from the jump, we were doing formula and breastfeeding mm -hmm. and then we tried to go all the way to breastfeed and it just wasn't. So I was like, all right, we'll do a hybrid of both. Yeah. And which has always been a lesson for me, which is like balance is okay. Mm -hmm. Like I've always, it's like been an ongoing, I can think if I have like one main lesson, that's it yeah. of like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, so, so with that, with him, he's the same way. We're like, I, you know, he has so much love surrounding him. He's, you know, four sets of grandparents. He's got, you know, brother or, you know, cousins and all these things. Um, and I always tell people, cause of course, you know, everyone's initial reaction is like, Oh, give me a hug. I want to hold you. Right. And I'm always like, trust me when he warms up and he decides he wants to come, he'll bring you a book. He'll sit in your lap and he'll want a little love from you. And then he'll get what he needs and he's going to go do his own thing. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just like, I didn't know what to expect with kids and, or, or maybe like, I always hoped to be a mom. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of had this feeling of like if I don't have kids, I would be okay too. I knew I had a lot to kind of heal within myself and pull up within myself. Um, so I didn't really have this over expectation of like, they're going to love me and they're going to need me for everything. <laughs> and, and so because of that, I think it's been helpful for me. Like surprisingly, like I'm like, oh, having that autonomy as like both being Rachel, but also being Jonah's mom. Mm -hmm has really helped me because, you know, we do about an hour of active play of him and I together, like mm -hmm. on the ground. And then kind of for the rest of the day, like he'll kind of come and go. And then when he needs my attention, like I'm there and, and I know, and maybe, okay, we'll read for a little bit more. We'll go for a walk or whatever. But like, he's so Mr. Independent in so many ways. And like, you know, he quote unquote reads to himself where he just like, and just talks to himself while he reads. It's like his favorite thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, I like to do things by myself too. Let him read, you know? Yeah. And also I feel like you said something. Yeah. That, oh, so sorry. No, do you, do you, no. this is real life. Outside right now, because she, otherwise she's just going to be like talking alongside me the whole time. Oh, you need to I go love outside, it. don't you? Thank you for telling me. We're, we're dog friendly here at the Rachel LaFour okay. show. <laughs> cool. Um, so I was just going to say that, um, oh, I love what you said about you do like that active floor play time and, and then he kind of does his own thing. And I think that's, um, 
I think that's really key. And I think that's one of, that's almost like one of my favorite little parenting tricks is like front load it with connection. Don't use connection as the reward. Um, so often I think we think, you know, I, I hear parents say this a lot and I think it's, it's natural. I think it's like, it's, um, you know, okay, just give me 10 minutes to do this, this, and this, and, and then we'll play. Or, you know, I just have to do the dishes and, you know, and call grandpa or, you know, whatever yeah. the list is and, you know, answer these emails and, and then we can play. Um, play first, <laughs> get on the floor, you know, have that connection time first. Connection actually breeds cooperation. So it's like, you know, I feel like we can get into a rut with um, just like, you know, just needing that cooperation or thinking our kid isn't listening. And then, yeah, using that connection as a reward. And it's like, one of my favorite tricks that just like start with the connection. You know, you have a hard time getting out the door in the morning for the preschool drop-off, you know, have special time for 10 minutes first thing in the morning, factor it into your morning routine, have that connection time, watch the transition of preschool drop-off will start to get easier. Um, talk about like filling up your tank or filling up their cup, they have their own little connection cup. And, and when they're, as humans, when our connection cup is filled up, we actually like it activates the thinking part of our brain. We actually can think better. We can make, you know, quote unquote, good choices um, yeah. when we when our connection bucket is filled. Well, because it's that safety foundation. And I feel like, you know, I think sometimes because it's our kids, we're like, well, yeah, of course I love them. So like, why wouldn't they know that? You know, and it's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. You know, like they haven't been around that long. Number right. one. You know, but I think it's the same thing of like, you know, when you're setting boundaries in relationships and, you know, like in romantic relationships and some people might be like, um, Hey, I'm going to be really busy this week with other stuff. You know, if you're just dating somebody, so it's kind of asking somebody like, what is it that you need first so that you feel safe and you know, I'm here. And then you kind of have that freedom to do your thing. Right. And some people are like, I just want to text in the beginning of the day. So I know you're thinking of me. Yeah. And then that kind of that hyper response is relaxed because you know that you're safe and you're in, you know, somebody sees you. Right. right. And then you're free to let somebody work all day. Or you don't hear from them or whatever, because you've had that need taken care of. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing with kids of, you know, also I say that knowing I have the luxury of my husband and I work from home. Um, which sometimes is actually very difficult because there's a lot of stop and start throughout our day, even though we have help here at home with Jonah three days a week. But um, we do have that luxury of, you know, when we get up in the morning, we kind of do just like playtime mom, dad and Jonah in bed and kind of watch Sesame Street and just kind of check in and then, you know, kind of roll into our morning, we eat and then I kind of make sure Jonah has what he needs. We're good. We get started. And then it's either a day that he and I spend together or um, my dad's wife comes in and is with Jonah all day. Mm -hmm. So that is a luxury for sure. Yeah. But it's still where, you know, I have like two different businesses, both my personal brand and then my production company with my husband. And like, it's just us and an assistant. And I know you know how that is, or it's like, absolutely, it's all pistons fire all day long, all the time. And so that's just where I'm like, even if you're working a lot or this or that, yeah, I think it's just looking back over, like, what is your daily schedule? Where can you kind of like, you know, etch in that time or find that connection in some way, even if it's like on the way to preschool and it's going, Hey, today, I want you to think about like this, this, and this. So at the end of the day, you can come back and tell me like, this thing that you learned today or whatever. So you're endowing them with something of like, I'm going to be thinking of you throughout the day. And here's yeah. something that you can do that mom or dad or parent or whatever is going to be excited to hear about at the end of the day. So it's like, 
there's also those cheats too. You know, it's like, you, you don't have to overthink it. It's the, the gas tank thing of like, it's not going to be great every day. And, you know, there is nothing more true than, you know, sometimes where it's like, just, you can't wait till bedtime, you know, and everybody's in bed and you're like, oh, we're going to survive another day. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm 13 years in and that still happens. <laughs> I mean, I could not like, yeah. Cause you're entering that new, uh, um, kind of phase of parenthood too, where you're beginning to parent tiny adults. Yeah. Teenager. Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole new level of like, Oh, here we go. It's you like know? toddlerhood part two, but so far we have it pretty easy with our, with yeah. our teenager, but yeah. I'm not sure it's going to go that way the second time around. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, we'll talk about, you know, different kids, different personalities, but exactly, think, you know, I think, and yeah, one you mentioned like those cheats that we could just sneak in. And I think one of them is also um, play like kids mm. were, were designed to be playful. I think we probably, a lot of us get less playful over time, but kids just, they want to play and we're probably never going to be able to play with our kids as much as they want. But if we make that a priority and one of the best things to do is like, let them be in control. I think mm -hmm. we sometimes think like, oh, we're going to have, you know, we're going to play wrestle or we're going to have a pillow fight. And like parents are like gently taking their kids down, let them take you down. Like we're, mm -hmm. you know, we, as the parents, we are the ones kind of like taking them through life. You know, this is the time you're waking up and this is the time we have to get out the door. And this is the time you eat. And this mm -hmm. is the time you nap. And like, they actually have um, they're, they're looking for opportunities to be the ones in control. We crave that as humans, you know, as, you know, just to, to, to be in control, I think, and some probably more than others, but I think, um, our kids need those opportunities. And it's also like, it leads directly to them feeling connected. Um, just the opportunity, like just get playful, find, find the thing that makes them laugh and do that. I'm sure this happens a lot in your, in your house. Um, yeah. <laughs> laughter, but, um, what's that thing that makes them laugh hysterically and then do it again and again and again. And, and chances are once a kid is verbal, they usually will ask for that. They'll usually say like again or more, mm -hmm. you know, they just, um, feels great. feels so good to laugh. Well, and also it's like, you know, I've made a career out of making other people laugh and now like being able to like make the person who I made with my body laugh is like, yeah. you know, and obviously like the laugh threshold is quite low at this point as well, but like, <laughs> there's just something we're a big, um, we make up songs in our house. That's yeah. like a lot of what we do. Cause Jonah, I mean, I attribute it. It might've been just there already, but certainly from doing your music classes. Um, so we have musical instruments, I mean, all over the house yeah. and obviously I'm very musical and, um, my husband's brother is a drummer. So mm -hmm. he's always given us and endowed us with a bunch of musical instruments and things. Um, so that's kind of always ours, which is like, we just like make up songs all the time. And like, so Jonah's kind of started to dance and um, there is just that, you know, as stressful as it is, it's also for me where I, where I try to dial in. And this is even a way of just supporting myself too, which is like, just looking for those moments of magic. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're all wanting life to be more magical. Like, yeah. even if that's not the terminology that somebody would use, you know, like maybe not like an investment banker's like, I'd like more magic in my life, right. but we all, we all want to have those moments where like, that was really cool. Right. And like, we do all sorts of shit in life to try to manifest and create those, you know, like yeah. we spend crazy amounts of money to go on big vacations or all like we do right. everything to try to, um, almost like manipulate or, or like curate these moments. And that's to me, the best thing about having, especially little kids, which I'm like, I can just like get on his level. Like that's right. all it is. It's just magic all day long. 
Right, right. Or just like walk right out your door and have like a little moment in nature and just, you know, find all the magic you need right there. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He loves it. So, so I know that you're getting ready to roll out some big stuff or kind of like pivoting and you're expanding and stuff. Do you want to share with us kind of what cool stuff you have coming up? Yeah, for sure. So I, so I guess just to rewind slightly, I, um, so I moved, um, four years ago from LA to Atlanta and pre pandemic. And I, you know, it was really, the focus was on like getting my kids set up. I I was definitely planting some business seeds, but I was really focused on like our kids adjustment to this cross country move. And, um, and I started teaching at, at a couple studios, a couple temples and churches, but then when the pandemic hit, um, I had some moms from a couple of my studio classes asking, you know, everything shut down obviously. And they were like, would you ever come to my backyard and just like teach four or five moms and babies socially distanced, we'll wear masks, we're outside. We did all the things, you know, like in my backyard. And it was like late summer, 2020. And I was like, hell yeah. And um, that's honestly how it started. I mean, I know you found me in an outdoor music class, but now I'm completely global. I don't teach really out of facilities much at all anymore. I move around town every day. I'm like teaching about, you know, 10 classes a week. I just hired a small team of teachers. I now have two other teachers teaching for me. Um, I think it's interesting because I know we're, you know, we've moved kind of like back to normal in so many ways, but um, I think that families tend to really like this, um, this new concept, this idea of just like gathering with a group of friends or a group of neighbors in someone's yard or a neighborhood park or pavilion. And um, yeah, so, so it's exciting. So um, with, with the growth and the new team and the new offerings uh, um, came like a total rebrand. So actually next week I am launching new logo, new website, new branding, all of it. And, um, so it's real, um, while I'm by the way, planning a bat mitzvah, which is next month. So, <laughs> so. oh my goodness. Well, mazel. <laughs> Thank you. It's all yeah. at the same time. Um, but it's very exciting stuff all around and, um, and yeah, so it's, so it's, um, the website is the same, uh, the branding is all different, but the, um, site is the same. It's, uh, www.here-we-grow.com. Nice. Very nice. So just, yeah, this kind of like expansion and stuff like that. And then, so do you still do like support for moms and stuff like that? Or right now you're really focused on being able to expand the music circles. Yeah. So I do. I'm actually, I still see a lot of my LA clients virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like just such a bright spot in my life, being able to like follow a family, like some of the families that I do private coaching with on zoom, I had them like with their infants you know, in those mothers gatherings six, seven years ago. And now I'm following through them through like their elementary school journey. And um, so, yeah, just kind of following a mom and, you know, it, it just constantly changes and there are always, you know, high points and challenges and uh, just being able to support someone through that is, is such a gift. And, um, and so I am doing that. I am starting to, to do it more now that I've hired some more music teachers. So that was a yeah. big goal of mine was I love you can probably tell that I really love the music classes. I love what I do. I love being in a circle with families and, and all the instruments and, uh, you know, it's the benefits are just endless for what it does for a little one's development. And I just think also it's like 
somewhat rare in our in our culture in our country to like be in a circle with mm-hmm. others like singing and dancing and that's really common in most other places in the world so I think mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful thing too just to like make music in a circle and expose our little ones to that um so yeah so bringing on these two new teachers um has opened me up for some more of the coaching so yeah I have like a couple groups right now of moms that meet once a week in the evening which I love too because then it's like the kids are asleep I go, I still go to somebody's house. <laughs> we sit yeah. in a circle every, you know, every, every workshop or every week, there's a different topic and um, moms need each other, you know, not sure, like, you know, support is helpful from a professional or from a coach or, but um, there's also, I think so much um, to just gain from being in a circle of other mamas. So, um, so I'm really passionate about that. And then, yeah, the one-on-one coaching is still, is still happening. And hopefully there will be more of that now that um, some of my music teaching time is freed up. Nice. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. And, you know, I know that I was like, and then what, and then what? So I appreciate (laughs) the play-by-play that has been your adult life. Um, But I just think that's so interesting. And I knew that, you know, kind of the journey through, uh, arts and then through, you know, like birth and family. And, um, a lot of those things are very sacred and very spiritual. So I knew we had a lot of kind of crossover through those things. So it was just really nice to get to chat with you. And, um, yeah, I know we briefly mentioned it, but yeah, obviously that's how I met Taryn was through this music class, which was like, you know, we just moved back. We, I think we started like two weeks after I moved back and all of these women knew each other. And I just kind of showed up and I'm like, Oh, hi, we just moved here. Um, but that was really nice too, just to kind of have that, um, instant connection in a lot of ways as well. So again, going back to that, it's obviously was great for Jonah's development and things like that, but even just for my mental health of like, okay, we're going to meet new people. Like it's going to be okay. You know, um, even though I even had a network of people here, but it was just really great to always have that, that support and that time of play. And, um, you know, and for busy moms too, or busy dads, busy parents, it's great of like, it's 30 minutes, you know, like that was the other thing that is really great of like, holds a kid's attention. All right, get there, sit down, do the thing, you know? So it's not like you're schlepping all the way across town and then you got to do the, you know, So just for parents too, that's something that's really nice. A kind of that break in the day, break in the week. Um, Great. So we can, uh, we can go to www.here-we-grow.com for all of the offerings. So even if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not in Atlanta, but this sounds awesome. You can connect with Taryn and all of that good stuff there, all of those resources. And there's going to be a branding uh, that's coming out. I think this is actually going to be coming out the week that you launch all of your new stuff. So you guys will, you will check it out first. Um, You can find her on social media at the same thing here. Uh, here, Well, on social media, a little confusing. Maybe I should streamline it, but it's uh, here we grow ATL. So, well, no, that's fine. You're in Atlanta. We'll know. Okay. (laughs) Either way, guys, all of this will be in the show notes per usual. So you will know all of the things. Um, yeah, Taryn, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your passion and your love with us. Cause that's what this whole podcast is about. So I appreciate it. I love it. Thank you so much for the invitation. Of course.